Good morning to everybody. We're going to do something a little bit different today than normal. But we're going to see, as you can tell, the title of our lesson today is called Be the Man. And we're going to talk to the men today in our service. And for the ladies, for the sisters, you have the opportunity to get us, get to know us a little bit better. Okay? So let's go ahead and begin. We're going to watch a, a video here about how we get started as men. Okay? From the very beginning. So let's turn down the headlights and let's watch this together. When I grow up, I want to be a superhero. When I grow up, I want to be a rock star. When I grow up, I want to be rich. What do you see there about us little boys? And there's some questions there, some key questions to ask today. How's it going for you? How much of your dreams changed since you were a little boy? And I thought about coming out with a cape on today, you know, because just there was a reminder. Most of us, when we were little, we wore a cape around the house. It was a towel, it was something, but we wore a cape. And we had dreams to be superhero. But something changed along the way, and that's what we're going to talk about. I want to show a show of hands. How many of you, everybody, this includes everybody, how many of you have either a brother or a son? Raise your hand. Either a brother or a son. That closed just about everybody, doesn't it? There's a few exceptions. So this is for you, so you can understand how we work. How, how we are. And we're going to focus today on the heart of men. And there's a great need in our society, as you probably recognize. Uh, and this is why we're taking the time out today. And we're probably going to take time out on other Sundays also. Because there's a need in our society for us men. We need more focus. We need more emphasis. We need more teaching. We need more training on how to be men. Because there's a, there's a need right now in our society. For us to step up and be the men that God created us to be. Uh, and, you know, there are things that are true about all men. Everybody. And I know this because uh, I was a little boy at one time. And also, I, I've raised a little boy. He's a young man now. And I've traveled, you know, in many places in the world and lived in different places of the world. And it's pretty much the same everywhere with little boys. And we did not begin as men, as you see us now, but every single one of us, without exception, we all began as little boys. And with that, every little boy had a dream, without exception. And we had a dream to do something great with our lives. I remember when I was a, a little boy, we, you know, they had the regular series on TV of Batman and Robin. It was old school. And, you know, I, I grew up as a little boy. I wanted to be Batman. I wasn't interested in Robin. I wanted to be Batman. Now, I didn't like the outfit very much. 
Even back then. I said, well, you know, I could come up with a different outfit, but I want to be that guy who saves the day, who steps up. And then as I got a little older, you know, it changes a little bit, but it's similar. Uh, I grew up in a small town where we watched college football, and I I admired the quarterback in the middle of the game, 60,000 fans yelling, and he's got the ball. You know, and I I wanted that. Then a few years later, I grew up, I, I wanted to be a fighter pilot for the Air Force. That was my dream. And they all had a common thread. I wanted to be, do something great with my life. And I wanted to do something that made a difference. And that's how it was as a, as a little boy. But I want us to take a couple minutes right now between us and uh, share with the person next to you. Okay, we're going to take a couple minutes, like 60 seconds. I want you to share, and normally we go ladies first, but today we're going men first. Okay? Men first. I want you to share, when you were young, when you were a little boy, what did you want to be when you grew up? Okay? Let's take a couple minutes to do that right now. Go ahead and talk to the person to your right and to your left. Got the picture? All right, let's, let's, have, some, uh, let's have some audience participation. Okay? Let's have some audience participation. All right, who wants to share what the person next to them shared about what they want to be? It's got to be guys, though. It's got to be guys. All right. Aaron, what did you guys say between you? Okay. One, just so I, I say it, for the, I'll repeat it for the people that are online. A uh, gentleman here uh, wanted to be a Marine when he grew up, and he succeeded, fulfilled his dream, did 10 years of service in Vietnam, correct? And then what did... Uh, what did Aaron want to do when he grew up? Trucker. Okay, so Aaron wanted to be, uh, he wanted to be a preacher when he grew up. And, and he wanted to be a firefighter. And, and, and what else? A football player? Football player. Okay, I need, I need one more. I need good. Jeremiah, give it to me. I'm sorry, he wanted to be what? He wanted to be a Pokemon master. Nice. Hey. Let me say this, nobody made a bigger difference than the Pokemon Master. Right? You know, we talk about this today, and, and, and for us men, something happened along the way. As we grew older, we were sent to school, and they didn't offer classes on how to be a superhero in school. We worked on the reading, writing, and arithmetic. No, no, uh, no classes on how to kill the dragon and save the beauty. And you think, you know, in college you'd get that because it's higher level education, but they didn't give those classes either. And so, as we got older, something happened. School, jobs, loans. I remember very distinctly when I was getting close to graduating from college, you know, and you know, life is, is coming at you pretty fast, and you, you sometimes get the temptation as a college student to stretch it out, stretch out your education, right? My dad sent me a letter in the mail. He said, son, just so we understand each other, you need to be done in May of 1987, or I'm not going to help you out with college anymore. You're on your own. And guess when I finished college? 
May of 1987. I got the memo. And basically what he was saying to me, son, you got to get done and you're going to be on your own and you've got to learn to support yourself. And this is what happens with parents when they get, you know, kids get to be about 20, 23, 24, 25. It depends. For me, it was 23 years old, 20, 23 and a half. My dad said, it's time for you to get a job. Get done with school, get a job. And again, you know, where can I be a superhero? He said, well, you go down there to the Home Depot and ask them if they're, if they're taking any applications for superheroes down there at Home Depot. They weren't. But somewhere, somewhere along the... We go from wearing a cape as a little boy to taking it off and trading it in for a tie, a dress shirt, or whatever else people wear to work. And we get into a nine-to-five or whatever the hours are, and we have to basically make a living. And something happens to the dream that we have. And the dream gets stuffed deep down inside of us. But I want to let the ladies in the house, all the sisters and ladies, just let you in on a little secret, okay, about us men. The dream hasn't gone away. Alright? Deep down inside of us. It may be down there stuffed in a hole somewhere, but deep down, we still want the cape. We still have a dream to make a difference with our lives. We still want to be the man. And today we're going to learn about how to be that. And this is a crucial time in our society right now. And all of us. And it goes from a transition. As a boy, we want to be a world hero. But as we grow up and become men, we want to be someone's hero. And there are common threads with us as men. First is, every one of us feel inside of us a sense of significance, spiritual significance, we call it. And we don't know whether God is an interpersonal God or we don't know if He's, he's far away, but we feel a significance inside of us that our life counts. And some pursue this. Some don't. But in all men, there's something inside of us that we know our life counts for something. We're here for a reason. And we want to find our place in God's story. Another common thread. We want to be the man to the woman in our lives. There's nothing that fires a man up more than to hear the woman in his life say, I fully trust you to lead our family. Man, when a woman says that, we can climb walls. We can jump over large valleys. We feel a sense of confidence. And we want that. We want to be those men that rise to the occasion. And then number three, a common thread is, we want to be the man for our kids. And nothing stirs a man's heart more than to hear his son say, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be like you. Or to hear the daughter say, 
Dad, when I grow up, I want to marry a man just like you. I mean, that, that's big. And this isn't a small thing I'm talking about. We go from the, the funny stuff, this is significant. This, this, this is not casual desires that we have. These are deeply knitted things in our souls as men. That we want this. But the, the truth of the matter is, and th- this is a, v- a verse here in Proverbs chapter 15. We don't know ourselves well enough. And not a lot of people know us very well. And that's what today is all about, getting to know us. And who knows us really well. Proverbs 15, 11 says, Death and destruction lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men. You know, God knows what's happening around the earth. He sees it clearer than any news program can describe it. He sees it. The death and the destruction in our society. But you know what else he sees? He sees men's hearts. He sees what's going on. And he's trying to call men back to himself so they can be the men that he created them to be. But here's another fact about men today. Men are under attack. The role of men is under attack. And there are two levels of that attack. First is the external. And I'm not saying this so that we can feel victims or we can feel like you need to have sympathy or empathy. This is a fact. I'm just mentioning facts. There's an external attack on men in our world. What am I talking about? Temptations to compromise our moral values and our loyalties in relationships. Every single day and many times during the day, men are attacked to compromise. Billboards, TVs, what's on television, movies, magazines, and computers. They're illicit images trying to get our attention and get us to compromise. And if I could say one thing here for the ladies in the house, sometimes women want attention so bad that they can be those stumbling blocks to men. What happens when men cross that line and give way to the temptation, to the attack? Because here here is how it's packaged. You've worked hard all week. You need a break. Take some time away and get a little enjoyment. Get a little pleasure for yourself. And so sometimes men give way to that pleasure and they give in to an illicit image or an illicit relationship and morally compromise. And the guilt and the failure destroys our confidence as men. And instead of walking around like the men that God created us to be, guess how we walk around? We walk around with a ball and chain, feeling enslaved to the desires that we have inside of us. Men are under attack. But there's also another attack. And for us to be faithful to, to be faithful men and to God and our wives and our families, it's a constant battle to say no. And let's look at the second battle that we have within us. is the internal world. Just so you understand how we are wired on the inside. Know a little bit about our hearts. Our internal attack. Inside of every man there's a fear. A deep fear. 
a fear of failing. A fear of letting the people that we love and letting others down. And we walk around asking this question about ourselves. Do I have what it takes? Can I rise to the occasion and be the man that the people around me need? Starts out with our, as our parents when we're little, our younger men. And then if we get into a relationship, we want to, we want to succeed in that relationship. And we want to succeed in being the hero, being the leader, being the man in that relationship. And then when we have children, same applies. And there's a fear. And the fear is that we'll fail. And in some ways, this can keep us away from God and church. There are a lot of men that don't want to come to church. You want to know why? I'll break it down. If they walk through those doors, they're going to be reminded once again. They already know that they're failures, but they're going to be reminded again in church that they're moral failures. And they're going to hear it, and it's going to be hammered into them. You're sinful, you're no good, and they already know that. And they don't want to be reminded. That keeps men separated from God and separated from church. And it's a misconception. If you're visiting with us today, maybe that's one of the reasons why you haven't been too fired up about coming to church. And maybe inside of you, you're asking the question, I'm not sure if I'm going to be back here. Because there's that fear of being exposed. People are going to find out who I really am and what I'm really about, that I'm not all that, and that I'm going to fail. And it terrifies us. But fail, failure as men, it paralyzes us. And many times we don't act because we're so afraid. And this is, these are facts. If you put a man in an environment where he fails over and over again without faith or without hope, what happens to him? He gives up. And that's the state I would say a lot of men are in right now. The older they get, the more indifferent, the more numbed out they become. And they just go, why try? Why even do this? Because I know I'm just going to fail. I failed my whole life. And that fear becomes realized. Even little boys, you put them in a situation, they'll respond the same way. If you give them a task that they can't accomplish, they cannot achieve the, the task, what happens to the spirit of that little boy? He shuts down. And that's how we're wired. And if you didn't know that as a man... Now you know. But there's a way to deal with this. God is concerned about the direction of our lives and where we are and where we're going. God takes an interest in men because He knows that our leadership is critical to society. He knows that if we lead, great things happen. Big things happen. But He knows... When we give way to fear and we distance ourselves from Him, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of collateral damage. And we're going to look at an example today in Joshua 24. And Joshua was a man's man. I'll give you a little context. About 3,500 years ago, Moses was sent by God to set His people free from slavery. 
And there's no worse thing for a man to be, to, to, to have happen in his life to be a slave. To be bound, chained, and he will let another man determine his steps. Not free to choose, not free to be who he can be. And God realized that. He sent Moses, set all of Israel free, and did powerful miracles to set them free. Sent plagues of many kinds. And they not only were set free, they pillaged Egypt. They took all the wealth from the Egyptians and left with their hands full of a lot of stuff. And as they left Egypt, they were sent with a promise to go into the promised land, an incredible place where milk and honey were flowing. An awesome place. God promised them. And when they came to the edge, Moses commissioned Joshua to lead, to be the commander of the armies of Israel. And he went in and he was their leader. And for many battles, Joshua was triumphant. He, con- he, he conquered many kingdoms and took the land that God promised. But how did he do that? With God's help. And we're going to read here at the end of Joshua's life because it was a pivotal time in his life and it was a pivotal time for the nation of Israel. Because he was passing the baton. As he received the baton and he was faithful to the commission that God gave him, he was now receiving the commission And he received it, and then he was now going to pass it on to the next generation. And so we're going to read here in in verse 1. And it's up on the screen. Then Joshua summoned all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, including the elders, leaders, judges, and officers. So they came and presented themselves to God. Now, at this time in Israel's history, women didn't lead. Only men. So who were all these people that were present at the time? They were men. And I want you to picture there were thousands of men. And they were elders. They were shepherds. They were leaders. They were judges. So you had, you know, officers in the army. You had the old and the young all lined up. Thousands of men. And Joshua stood before them and gave them a charge. And this is important for us to hear today because if you want to be the man that God created, Joshua shares about how he succeeded in being the man that God created him to be. God created Joshua to be the commander and be the leader and lead the people of Israel to victory. And each one of us have been called by God to do something. And so this is what he says. Look what he says and, and before we jump to this verse in verse 14, from verse, from verse 2 to verse 13, he recounts what God did to bring him to that point. All the miracles that he did, all the ways that he saved them, and the victories that they had time and time again in conquering all those enemy armies. And how it was miraculous. There was no other way to explain it except God was with them and God blessed them. When he finishes his his discourse on remembering the Lord and remembering what the Lord did, he says these words. So fear the Lord. And he's charging these thousands of men. He says this. So fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. 
put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. So what's he saying here about his experience? What did it take for Joshua to be the man that God had called him to be? You've got to serve God all in. You've got to be, if you want to be the man, if you want to be that person that God created you to be, and wear that cape once again, and be a hero, be someone who saves lives, who makes a difference, how's that going to get done? Serve the Lord. We've got a lot of men in our society today who they reach a very high point in society. And then they fall so hard, flat on their face. And we see it time and time again. This doesn't happen when when men are fully devoted to God and stay that way. It's just a steady, steady climb. And they remain. And then he goes on to share. Now, men hate to be told what to do. Okay? Joshua knew that. They don't like being told what to do. So he offers them a choice. Look what he says here, verse 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in, who, in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua wasn't, wasn't just saying, he says, I've already made the decision. And you can look back at my life and you can see that that's the way I live and look where it got us. And just as it was a pivotal time in their society, guess what? It's a pivotal time right now for us as a church. You heard some great news about what God's doing in Africa and Asia and in South America in Central America, it's amazing. Even here in the United States, even what God is doing with the church here in Los Angeles, even what God is doing here in the East region, there's great things happening. But guess what? If we want to see even greater things, guess who has to rise? Men. And so today I want to pass on. This coming week we have a men's service on Sunday. Right here. And we're inviting men to come. And not to get beat down about how bad they are, but to get taught and to get encouraged about being the real deal. To be the man. And let me just let you know a little secret. Most men today are not succeeding at the dream that they believe and they had when they were little kids. It's the same story. They've become drones. They've become zombies. They're just going through life. And Joshua called these men to a decision. And he gave them a choice. And he asked them, look around. How's it going for these guys? How did it go for the Egyptians? How did it go for the Amorites as they offered their children as, as burnt sacrifices? And then they go to church, as they call it, and they prostitute themselves with male and female prostitutes. I mean, what is that? You guys want a part of that? He was reasoning with them. 
And you can imagine Joshua standing there with his family. And what was the significance of that? This wasn't just about Joshua. This was about his children and his children's children. And he was letting them know graphically. He was letting them know with an illustration. If you do the right thing, it will affect these guys. It will make all the difference in their lives. And for us today as men, I want you to understand what you do and what you've done affects heavily what happens to the people in your life. Women and children. And he was just saying, listen, as men, we can't do this on our own. We need God's help. And we need to trust in Him. Looking at this next point, I, I want to take the time today to, to talk to the men. I want to challenge you to be men that serve the Lord with all your heart. And this is something that I've noticed in our, in our church. There are too many of us. And I wouldn't say it's all of us. I'd say there are a good number of us that are all in. But there are a few of us that are wavering. And I'm sure, as same as Joshua's time, there were men there that were wavering. You know, they, they, get, they got the, the land and they already had their farm and their plot and they were already thinking about what they were going to do. And they said, God, you gave us what we needed and now it's time to do our thing and do what we want and serve ourselves. There are men in the church today that are on the fence. And you know you're not serving God wholeheartedly. And you know you're not being the man that God created you to be. And there's a rub with people around you. Now I want to encourage the women here today. We need your help. This isn't about pointing fingers. This is about us working together because we can't do it without you. And we don't need women to point the finger and say, you're doing this wrong, and you're doing this wrong, and you're... we already know that. Okay? We may not act like we know it, but we know it. We spend most of our time messing up in life. But what we need is God in our lives. And here's a fact. When men make right choices, everybody gets blessed. And I've seen it so many times. When dad makes the right decision, gets who gets the blessing. Mom gets it, and the kids get it. There's like a protection around that family. And they're blessed. And not only that, their children's children get a blessing. Because there's a, there's a bar set. There's a guide set. I admire men like Dave Moss. Because he made the right choice. His two children, his wife, feels a great security. I appreciate men like Phil Wadsworth. Made the right choice. Robert Loya made the right choice. His children are blessed. And there's scores of men in our church right here among us that have made the right choice and their kids and their wives get the blessing. And if you're on the fence today, you got the opportunity. And as Joshua called, he said, today... Don't think about it any longer. Don't get caught in the trap of 
where you are. And this happens to a lot of men. What happens is, is they, they focus on where they are and they know where they should be and they see the distance and they go, I don't know. And then they start counting how many steps it's going to take for them to get to, from here to there. And guess what happens? They get caught in the in-between. Hey, listen, don't focus on where you need to be. Focus on where you are now and making a move towards that direction. And I don't know how many steps it's going to take for you. Everybody's different. But begin the process of taking that step as a man. And we're going to talk about practically how to do that. And one of the things that I know, this is, this is key for us as men. It's pivotal. We focus more about now. We need to focus more about now than how. And, you know, as men, we like to fix stuff, right? We like to get the tools out and we like to fix it. So before we begin anything, and I, this is what I do, before I begin a project, I've got to lay out all the tools and I've got to know how I'm going to do it. Hey, listen, life's too complicated. And if you focus on the how too long, guess what happens to the now? You get stuck and you're paralyzed. You're, you get caught in the middle and you make no changes. And you stay the same. And you go back to being the nine-to-fiver who's not changing, stuck. And you just live life. Hey, not that supporting your family financially is a bad thing. It's a good thing. But you're not being the man that God created you to be. That's the point. It's getting back to that, to being the guy where wears a cape. It says, I'm going to make a difference. I want to be a hero. I want to make a difference in the people's lives in my life. And, you know, talking about the, the now, sometimes we don't need to take too long to think about it. When I was a teenager, we used to go to these limestone pits. And they used limestone in the southeast. Before they lay the pavement of the roads, they lay limestone flat. It's a real good base. So they dig these mines of limestone. And they go about 50 to 60 feet down. And it's flat ground. They go straight down. And they carve out these huge holes. And they go so deep that it hits the water aquifer. 50, 60 feet down. And then they go another 50, 60 feet down into the water. And they pull out all this limestone. And we as kids, we used to go to these limestone quarries. And they had these huge cliffs, five stories high. And we would go to the edge of those cliffs and the water was super deep. And we would stand there with our swim trunks on. And there was no bungee jumping back in those days. This was bungee jumping, but there's no bungee. And we would jump. And the thrill was incredible. You were, you were hanging in air, hearing the wind just whistle by your ears. And our parents had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> Nobody knew about this. And you had to wear tennis shoes because when your feet hit the, hit the water, it was such a tremendous force that if you didn't have tennis shoes on, it hurt your feet real bad. Not sting, I mean bad. There was nobody, there was two kids that tried to dive from this height. They had a headache for a week. And they injured their neck. But I remember... We'd go there, and and we'd always take somebody, this was a thrill, we'd always take somebody new along, right? And we'd take the new guy, 
And there were younger kids. They were like 10 years old. We were, you know, 14, 15. And we, we take these little kids with us too because they would go and they'd jump. They were crazy, fearless kids. And they would jump. And I don't recommend this. I'm just telling you a story. But I remember we'd take the new guy. And all of us would go up there and the new guy would wait till he was the last one. And we would all just go... And you'd hang for a few seconds and then... We hit the water. And it was just so exhilarating. We look up, come on down, come on down. And then the new guy would think about it. Man, he would think about it. Because it was intimidating. And I remember this one guy, he was 16 years old. And then we sent one of the kids. And the little kid, he just jumped. Hit the water, and they said, and then we we we, we tell him, hey, that even the little kid do it. You won't do it. You're scared. And we called him all kinds of names. What happened? The more you think about it, the more likely you're not going to do it. And we had a couple of guys. They didn't do it. You know why? Because they sat and thought about it too long. They didn't jump. And I learned that. I'm going to say this about the decision. Don't think too long about this decision. If you know it's right, just jump. Just get in and let's do this. Stop thinking about it. Because as time goes by, you're not going to do it. You know you're not going to do it. You thought about it a long time ago and you didn't do it then. And if you don't decide now, and that's what Joshua was saying, decide today. Stop playing around. Let's do this. There are young men that are doing this. You're an older guy. I'm not going to play that game that we used to play, but I just want to let you know, you, there's times where you, gotta, you just got to decide to do this. And let's get practical today. Number one, life begins. Let, let's get practical about the steps. What does it mean to jump? Jumping means life begins with full trust in Christ. And as men... We need to make that decision to fully trust Christ. We're going to live for Him. We're going to give our lives for Him. He's our role model. He is the one we're following. It's not about us. It's not about those people in society that we see. He's our role model. He is the most interesting man in the world. I mean, you read and find out about this guy they got going on. That's the title of our our men's day because it's a spoof. This guy's a joke. He's never done any of those things. And we're going to see some commercials today after, during the announcements. We've got men here in our fellowship that are more interesting men than anything out there because they're being the men for their families. And let me just say this for the young ladies here in the house that are single. Would you want to put your life in the hands of Somebody, no matter how handsome, how wonderful he is, who puts himself, his trust in himself, I wouldn't. I will only put my life in the hands of Christ. And for a woman, that's a very vulnerable position you put yourself in. To link up your life, to put your, your, your hook on that man's life, who knows where he's going to lead you. He may start out well, but who knows how he's going to end up without Christ in his life. 
Let's begin with full trust. And, and I want to encourage all the men. It's time that for, for some of you to build a relationship with Christ. And I don't mean coming into church. Well, I'm here, right? I'm here at church. Doesn't that show something? No, it just shows you're here. But the real devotion comes you and God, you and Christ on your own. What kind of relationship do you have? Are you depending on Him? Are you learning from Him? Are you studying His Word and how He did things? Is He your hero? Is He your model? Even today's society, they have, they had mentors. You know, Michael Vick's making this big comeback player, big comeback as a football player. But you know how he tells how he came back? He made a big mess of his life. You know how he's coming back? He's allowing some of his teammates to mentor him back how to be a steady player and stay out of trouble. As men, if you want to do something with your life, you need other men in your life mentoring you, helping you, getting involved in some of your decisions and how you think and what you're doing. We need that. And that's this next point, interdependence instead of independence. And I want to encourage you men, some of you are out there, you're on your own. It's time to get plugged in. It's time to form a band of brothers around you. And where you're close and you get people involved in your lives asking questions. And let me just say this. You know, with the small groups, no man, no man likes to sit in a small group and, and talk about his feelings. We hate that. But you know what, guys? We need it. Okay? We need to get a little deeper than who won the football game yesterday. And let me just say, Alabama won the football game yesterday. Broke my heart. But well, let's move on to talk about more important things. Life issues. How to go well, how to go with you this week. How'd you do? All right, you had some failures? Let's pray about it. Let's put a, put a, let's put a plan together how you can succeed. How you can do better this week. How was your reliance on God and how did that play into the failure? Did you give too much rope to the temptation? You know, there's a lot of things we can talk about as men to be successful, to avoid the pitfalls. But we need to be interdependent, not independent. And we need brothers involved in our lives. And we need to get more training. I want to encourage some of you because it's been a long time since you've grown. And I appreciate men like Kate. He's a shepherd in the campus sector. Man, he's growing. He's, he's, he's hooked his wagon to Joe Newfield. And he's getting training on how to be a great shepherd. And his life's making a difference in the campus. You know why he's making a difference? Because he said, I need more training. I want to be trained. And last week we rolled out the shepherding plan. We got, we got training going on on, 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 you know, Sundays after about the faith group leaders, the evangelistic leaders. There's training going on. You can get some one-on-one training if you ask for it. But some of you just don't want it. You'd rather have a barbecue or watch television and get the training. And I'm saying you got to balance it. i got nothing against barbecue and ball games. I watch them and I have them. But I need training. There's got to be a mix. I want to grow. I want to grow as a dad. I want to grow as a minister. I want to grow as a friend. I want to grow as a son of God. And I know what that means. It means training. And you gotta, you got to get involved in that. 
And you've got to get help. Another thing I want to say to the married brothers, pray with your family. It's very important. And too many times we assume 90%, oh yeah, we're doing that. And we think the other guy's doing that. Guess what? There's a lot of it not going on. Why? Because you can see it. And for us married guys, it's very hard to be angry with someone who you're on your knees with. You know what I mean? It just kind of settles it. The dust settles. You can't do that. The humility sets in. Okay, Pray with your family. Pray because you want God in your house. It's such a small thing, but it's so powerful in how it changes and directs our family. And let me tell you, it gives a great sense of security to the kids and the mom when God is ruling the house. And God is overseeing the house. And then the last thing we want to talk about is be someone's hero. Be someone's hero. What am I talking about? I'm talking about helping other people get right with God. I'm talking about sharing your faith with somebody. Befriending somebody who you know needs God and trying to get them closer. I'm talking about when somebody comes to church, studying the Bible with them. You can do this. We got the outline of the studies. So I want to get Josh to do the study. You know, Josh has got other studies going on. You can do this. I remember, you know, when a young college student, when I first did my first Bible study, it was so awesome when it was over. I said, I can do this. But if I hadn't tried, and I might have always been dependent upon somebody else, and, and you get better at it as you get along, you know, you, 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 get, you get really good at studying the Bible with people the more you do it. But it's also talking to people. This week, I want to encourage the men. I want to encourage you. Make a list of people you're going to call to come out this Sunday. Let them know you want them to come. And this isn't about you have to. Do you want to? I know God does. I know Christ does. I know He wants us to make a difference. And there's such a tremendous need in our society. And I want to encourage the sisters too. You can be somebody's hero. And you want to know who got me to church? It was a woman. It was my sister. Women can make a big difference in a man's life. So I want to kid you, don't hold back. Be a part of the solution in helping men find God. And we're going to end now. We're going to watch a, a, a video here to prepare us for communion. This was the introduction video for our conference last week. It's very intense. It gives you a worldview of what's happening in our world. Why do I want you to see this? Because it opens the curtains about what's really happening in our world and the need that's out there. And who's going to make the difference? Men of God are going to make the difference. And then we're going to pray for the communion after we're done with the video. So let's watch together if you could turn down the lights.
Let's pray together for the communion. Our Father God in heaven, uh, I know we live a sheltered life. And we don't see the world the way it is. We do not see the world through your eyes. We pray that today you'll help us to rededicate our lives to Christ's mission and your heart's desire to see more men, more women, more children know about Jesus and to follow Jesus, to put their trust in Christ. Thank you, God, that Jesus laid down his life. The same decision that we heard about today, Jesus made to give his life as a ransom for us and for this world. Father, we pray that you'll help us to reignite the the fire of the mission in our lives, in our world. And I know the question often arises, what, what difference can one man's life make? God, you've proven over and over again, it makes a, it makes a huge difference. We want our lives to count. Please forgive us for our failures, forgive us for our sins, forgive us for giving